in the last 10 years, last decade. Wow, look around. That is like almost everyone. A lot of movers in here. Okay, what about last five years? Wow, okay. Two? Okay, <laughs> you're all like, yes. One. One? Oh, wow. Well, we're in the same company. So my hand is still up too because we moved here uh, June, mid-June, this summer, and I mean, you guys know when you're moving that there are stages when you're moving into a new home, right? And you, you buy a home, you're excited about, I know the rainies now, <laughs> you guys, there are stages. Um, but you, you buy a home and you're excited about it, and you're like, oh man, I can picture ourselves here. And, and when you move in, uh, at first, it doesn't feel like a home, right? If there's boxes everywhere. The first thing you got to do, right, is get your beds together. Right, you got to get the beds together so you have somewhere to sleep. That's important. And then how many of you know the first room you have to unpack? Kitchen, yes. you got to unpack the kitchen because that's the thing. That's the room that you use every single day all the time. So you put your beds together. You unpack your kitchen. But it still doesn't feel like a home. It's just, it's kind of that first few weeks, maybe first few months. It depends, depends on how quickly you unpack. Um, it it kind of feels like a storage facility for your stuff, right, rather than, rather than a home, because there's boxes everywhere. But as you begin to unpack a little bit more, and the kids' rooms get set up, and then you start to put things on the walls, you all know that that's last, right? Things start going up on the walls, and then pictures go up on the walls, and then you get to light your scented candles, you know, and your pumpkin spice and chai tea latte candles. And so, and then it's starting to feel a little bit different, right? And a transformation at some point takes place where it's no longer a house, it's a home. And it feels like a home. But what makes a house a home? The people, right? It's us. It's the people living in it. And it's, it's the evidence that we live there, that we are present in that place. And so when people come over, they realize, yeah, this is your home. You live here. Life happens here. And there's evidence of us all over our house, our, our style, what we like, the colors that we like, the scents that we like, how we do our toilet paper. You know, if it's over the top or behind. Those of you guys that do it from behind, I, 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 don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. But, um, right? And so there's all these different things that are unique to us. And I believe the same is true for the church and for the body of Christ. Is that when the presence of God is within a body, it feels like a home. It's not, it's not the house of God. It's, it's his home. He dwells here. And when the presence of God is manifest among his people and we experience his presence and we live into that place, then something happens to a church. It becomes a living thing. 
because the spirit of God is there. And so the title of my message this morning is what makes a house a home? What makes a house a home? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. Lord, I pray that our ears will be open to hear what your spirit is saying. Lord, I pray that your words will come forth, that anything that comes out of my mouth that's from me, I pray that it will fall to the ground and die. Um, but Lord, I pray that your words will remain in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So we're going to continue in our series this morning, walking through the book of Ephesians. Last week, we talked about Jesus coming to destroy barriers, dividing walls of hostility that separate us from one another, that keeps us from unity, right? The, the enemy comes to divide. He wants to divide us against each other, against our families, against other believers. But Jesus comes to unite us together and to destroy those walls so that we can be united which is his eternal purpose, uniting all things together in one underneath the headship of Jesus. And so uh, that's what Jesus came to do. And that's what we started with in Ephesians chapter two. And so we're gonna continue closing out Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 19 today. And the question is, he removed the wall so that we might come together, but for what purpose? And we're gonna see that in Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Talking about the Gentiles now. You are, you are fellow citizens, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our home is. We're just, we're just sojourners here. We're, we're just passing on through, right? But our home is in heaven with Christ, but you're citizens of, with God's people and also members of his household. How cool is that? We're all one big happy family. Not always happy, but we are one big family. With God as our father, we, have, we share a heavenly father. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. That's so cool. You are all my family. My, my kids have talked about this with me. Uh, they said, Dad, you're, you're, you're my brother. You're not my dad. You're my brother in Christ. And I'm like, that's true. Yep, you are my brother and you are my son. So you still have to listen to me, <laughs> you know. But they love that, right? We're brothers. And, and it's true. And that's a unique experience. It's really cool, though, as well, when your kids grow up and there's that unique brotherhood in Christ as well. Um, super, super special. Um, but we are part of the same household. And the walls have been torn down so it can be one family united with God. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 20, though, built on the foundation, the household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Man, this is exciting stuff. So here we see Paul referring to the church as a building, 
right? Now, he's referred to the church as a lot of different things, a lot of different illustrations, one of them being a physical body, right? Hands, eyes, heart, mind, you know, ears, whatever, feet. I don't know which part of the body I am, you know, but, um, but he talks about the body in that way, but now he's talking about it as a building, a temple in the Lord, a temple for the Lord, a dwelling place of God by his spirit that he lives in by his spirit, his home, that we are a dwelling place where the spirit of God can dwell. When we're built together as a body, we are a dwelling place for God by his spirit. That is so exciting that within us, there is a home for the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's pretty powerful. So we're going to look at the blueprint for God's house. The blueprint for God's house as revealed in this scripture. All right, so first thing, the cornerstone is Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. In other words, he's the big deal. It's about him. It's all about him. Everything points to him. And I know we all know this, but there's something true that should ring deep within our hearts. This eternal purpose to know God and to worship him. That our whole life is meant to be centered and oriented around relationship with Jesus. Living relationship with God. He is the big deal. The cornerstone, that, that word means the stone that's set in the foundation at the corner of a building to bind all the other stones together and to give the walls their line, right? Psalms 118.22 says the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone referring to Jesus. So it denotes a position of honor, within the body of Christ, right? Jesus is the head, right? But also that we are meant to fit together with him and only when we are in relation to him and in line with him do we discover our usefulness and our purpose in life is when we are connected and centered around Jesus. Colossians 3 says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Life only makes sense in relation to God. That's the only time it's gonna make sense. And sometimes even then it won't make sense. But life only makes sense when we are in line and connected with Christ. Because that's our created purpose. So it makes sense that it would make sense, right? He is our guiding line. It's like a plumb line. So we know where to go and how to build on our lives. We have to stay connected and fitted in with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. So then the life that God has for us can come to fruition, so he's the cornerstone and everything starts coming together. I don't know if you've experienced this, but the times where life makes the most sense for me is typically when I'm worshiping. I don't know why. I, I don't, I mean, maybe I know why a little bit, but when I'm worshiping the Lord, it, it just, it, everything just seems to suddenly make sense. And I can't describe why it does, but it does. There's my wife, my wife. <laughs> but it does. 
Because it's like I'm aligned with what I was made to do. It's like a light bulb going into the socket. You know, it's fulfilling my created purpose. So Jesus is the cornerstone, right? He's the cornerstone of the building. The second thing here is the foundation is the gospel of grace. And it says in the scripture, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, but they themselves aren't the foundation because we see in 1 Corinthians that Jesus is the foundation, but rather their work is, the work of the apostles and the prophets. They were laying the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so that is the foundation, is the gospel of grace. Paul considered himself a minister, as an apostle, a minister of reconciliation, seeing people reconciled in relationship to God. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So why is the gospel our foundation? It's because our assurance that it's our assurance that we belong to God. It's our assurance that we belong to him by grace, not of works. Man, if our salvation was by works, then it would be shaky because I don't know about you guys, but I have good days and I have bad days, right? But it's not. It's by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus and his finished work of the cross. So there is a stability in our relationship with God because it's by his grace. There is stability. The grace of God gives us confidence that we are his no matter what, unshakable, no doubts. The Holy Spirit confirms that in our hearts. And then it goes on to say in Ephesians 2, in him, Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are being built together. We are the living stones. We are the living stones. So Jesus is the cornerstone. The gospel of grace is our foundation. And we are the living stones. First Peter 2 Verse four and five says, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. We are being built together into a spiritual house. And the only way we come together and stay united in that way is by abiding and remaining in Christ. Because he himself is our peace. The only way we're going to stay united together is if we continue to remain and abide in him who is our peace. And then those walls will stay down and we'll be able to remain united together as this building that God is putting together for the dwelling place of his spirit. So we see the blueprint, but again, what is this purpose for? What, why? Is God wanting to build us up into this building? It says here it's to become a holy temple, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are individually 
and collectively the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are individually, meaning the Spirit of God comes to rest within us and abide within us. We're filled with his Spirit, right? But also collectively, together. There's something about that's unique. There is a way in which we experience God uniquely in a community that we don't have that same experience in solitude. There is a purpose for the coming together of believers, a unique expression of relationship with God and with the Holy Spirit that only comes by the body of Christ coming together. A unique experience with God. And I'm sure you guys have had it. You guys have had experiences with the Lord one-on-one, like alone with God. And there's times where you've had experiences like in a church service or at a conference, right? With a group of people. It's different. Um, Two of my most memorable times that I've had with the Lord came in both different areas. One in a collective group and then one also just alone with the Lord. I remember I was at a conference it was a Jesus culture, I think. A Jesus culture conference in, I don't know, 2010, I think. Anyways, but it was uh, in Chicago, Illinois, and there was about 20,000 people together just worshiping God. And, you know, there were speakers, and it was great. It was really powerful. But there specifically, there was this one time of worship. And I know, Katie, you're nodding your head. I know you know what this is. Everyone that was there would know. We're worshiping God and we're singing some song or whatever and it's really powerful and we're really pressing into the presence of God. And then it goes instrumental, right? The instruments are playing, but everyone just keeps singing. We're just singing. And we're singing our own songs. Some people are singing, I love you, Jesus, whatever. Just whatever comes to their heart. They're just singing their own song to the Lord. People are singing in the spirit and making melodies in their hearts of the Lord. But as the Bible says, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? And so we're all just singing and the music's playing, but there's no, no one's singing on the stage. Like we're just singing out 20,000 people. And then the music fades out and the people keep singing. 20,000 people just singing, voices only, And it was crazy because the volume would get louder and louder and louder to where it was almost ear piercing and then it would kind of come down again and then it would go up again and it was like a living organism. It was crazy. But what was amazing about this, it went on for 30 minutes, no music, 20,000 people just worshiping their God. And the presence of God was so thick in that place. It was crazy. No music needed, no lyrics needed, just the presence of the Holy Spirit. Powerful. So cool. And then there was another time that I was alone with God. I remember um, it was crazy. I was in my, like, in my office just praying and seeking the Lord. And uh, I, was, I was like during a fast, I think. And... I can't remember what song I was singing, but the same type of thing happened, only it was different. Instead of it being like 20,000 voices, it was just, I just felt like this weightiness, like, I don't know how to describe it, other than just like a weight on my shoulders, but a good thing, not a bad thing. It was like I was being crushed by love, you know what I mean? But it was just so amazing. I just remember laying on the floor, like prostrate, just face down, and just I was stuck there for like 20 minutes because of just the presence of God. And both of those were legitimate experiences with God. They were wonderful and great. And they don't happen all the time, but there there were different 
Some were collective with other believers and some of those moments have been alone with the Lord. And both are in scripture. But we're gonna focus in on that communal experience and you see it in the book of Acts. And I know we've experienced it in our lives. Acts chapter two, verses one through four, the day of Pentecost, right? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Again, the believers together in one place, 120, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, you guys might think, well, yeah, that was the day of Pentecost. I mean, that was kind of a, a big deal, you know. Well, but there's another one too. There's, there's many, but there's another one here in Acts chapter four. It says in verse 29, now the Lord... They're praying and asking God for boldness because they've been persecuted. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 30, 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Man. The presence of God showed up as they were gathered together collectively with one heart and mind, worshiping God, praying, seeking the Lord. The Spirit of God shows up in a powerful way. It shakes the building. That's nuts. I just, can you imagine that? Like if we were praying together in this place and the whole building's like, and we, we wouldn't know what to think. We'd be like, it's an earthquake. You know? But it happened then in that moment, the presence of God came and filled the place where they were collective experiences with God. There, there's something in us where we need to allow in our lives. And I've, I have to do it. I have to be intentional to do it, to, to let Jesus make this house a home. Allow Jesus and allow the presence of God and the Holy Spirit to make this house, the body of believers, a home. Where he can unpack his boxes <laughs> put up his stuff on the walls. It feels like him because his presence is here. It is essential that we as the body of Christ work in partnership with the Holy Spirit. It is essential that we work in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We must remember, this is his show. <laughs> this is his thing. It's not about us. It's about him. And he's the one at work on the earth. The, the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it really was his book, right? Because he was working through them, but it was the spirit of God. We're simply a part of this. It's his work that he's invited us to be a part of, which is incredible. We have that privilege to work with collaboratively with the spirit of God. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We get to partner with the spirit of God. First Corinthians two, four and five, Paul says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The Holy Spirit and his presence and his power need to be at the center of everything that we say and we do because apart from him, we can do nothing. We can. It's possible. 
I don't know if you, you ever had that when you were a kid, talking about, I'm doing nothing. No, actually, you're breathing. You're standing. You know, like you can't, it's possible. We can do nothing apart from God. I don't know. That's probably not what it meant. But um, apart from him, we can do nothing. We need the presence and the power of God in our lives. That's what makes everything come alive. It's his presence. It's knowing him. Otherwise, we become a storage unit for the things of God rather than a home for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be a storage unit for God's stuff. I want, I want us to have God dwelling in us and with us. Amen? We need the presence of God, not just religious practices. So why is it so essential? Why, why is that so essential? Why is it essential for us to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit, to have his presence and his power? Um, there's a lot of reasons. But one of them, I believe, is because the church is God's plan A. That is how he plans on reconciling the world to himself is through his body, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But that's how we're going to reach the world. We go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, make disciples of all nations. That's the church he's talking to. That God has chosen in his infinite wisdom that through the body of Christ, he's going to reconcile the world back to himself using his people. That we get to be a part of that incredible ministry of reconciliation. But the church is God's plan A. And if it's his plan A, then we better be working in partnership with his spirit. Because without him, we can't do anything. Ephesians 3, so it goes on and he, he begins to tell of this, talking about this, God's plan. Now Paul was uh, laying the foundation, talking about this mystery from the beginning of time, God's mysterious plan that was going to be revealed now. And, and so he goes and shares what that mystery is in Ephesians 3 verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. He's saying Jews and Gentiles, in other words, everyone on the planet, everyone through the gospel, everyone can be heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And then verse nine, he says that his part was to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Verse 10, his intent, no, Jesus, Jesus' intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is the mystery. He's saying that it's through the church. He wanted to make this known. This mystery revealed that every person on the planet through faith in Christ can have access to the Father. 
and have boldness to come into his presence and confidence and freedom to do so. His intent was that now through the church it be made known that everyone can be in God's family, share in his promises. And most importantly, everyone has access to the Father and may approach him. So could it be that God's great plan that he's revealing from the beginning of time, his manifold wisdom that was revealed by the church was to expand the reach of his presence and glory through thousands, tens of the hundreds of the thousands of local temples, bodies of Christ, local churches, expressions of his body, dwelling places of the Holy Spirit, that he expands his reach of the glory of God, the presence of God on the earth through hundreds of thousands of local temples and then individual ones too, billions of individual dwelling places, us, that the presence and the glory of God might spread all over the earth through his body, the church, pushing back the darkness, because it's true. God's manifest presence can now be found not only in one holy place, like the Old Testament, one holy of holies, right? It's not just in one holy place, but thousands of holy places, billions of holy places right here. We can encounter God, have access to him right here in our own hearts. How is that possible? Well, in verse 21, when it talks about the temple, that we are the temple of the Lord being built together as the temple, that word there is not the general word that described the whole temple precincts, but that used for the inner shrine, naos, the special meeting place between God and his people. It was the place on which the glory of God descended, the place of his presence. So the meeting place of God has shifted from the, most, the holy of holies in the Old Testament, right, to the church and to God's people. That's the new meeting place. How awesome is that? It shifted. And so instead of one person having access to God's presence once a year, the high priest going into the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice for blood for the sins of the nation, instead of one time, one person once a year having access to God's glory in his presence, Everyone who has faith in Christ has access. How awesome is that? Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Another translation says, let us go right in to the presence of God. Just go right on in, right into the presence of the King, our heavenly Father. Because we are the body of Christ, God is in our midst. God is in our midst. Jesus said it. He said, where two or more are gathered in my name, what? There am I in the midst of them. Two or more are gathered right here. Whoa. That gives you a different idea of church, doesn't it? (laughs) 
God is in the midst. He is with us. He's among us. He's in our midst. Even in this moment, that's the truth. He is, and that's why I say, you probably hear me say it all the time. God is here. That's crazy. God is here. He's in the building. The question is, are we going to allow him to make this house his home? What does that mean? Are we going to just acknowledge his presence? That he is indeed here. Give attention to his presence. Welcome his presence. Invite, accept his presence. Believe, have faith and trust that he is here. Let him light his pumpkin spice candle. Because <laughs> I'm sure that's, you know, if he's going to light a candle, it's going to be pumpkin spice. Maybe a vanilla pumpkin spice. I digress. So what's our part in this? What's our part in this? We, as the body of Christ, must ask for, believe in, and rely on the Holy Spirit's presence and power in all we do as a church. We need to ask for, believe in, and rely on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in everything we do as a church. We need to ask for it. That when we're coming in for a Sunday worship service, God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you show up. That, that your power be present with us today. That you have power to heal, to set free, to transform minds and hearts and draw people to yourself. God, we ask that your spirit, your presence be here in worship, in the word. God, when we're having a small group, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, your presence and your power be present in that group. When we're having neighbor, neighborhood parties, Holy Spirit, will your presence and power be in that thing? Everything that we do from a prayer meeting to a worship night to a group to everything to children's ministry, youth ministry, whatever it is that we pray for, we ask for the Holy Spirit to be present because without him, we can't do nothing. Let's ask for his presence and then believe, believe, expect to encounter God. That we raise our level of expectation that if God is in the building, then we can encounter him. We can know him. We can experience him in the fullness of his life and his power. So we believe, we have expectation, like faith like a child, innocence. Man, God, I'm expecting. I'm praying, Lord, will you show up? Lord, and I'm expecting as I worship today, as I pray, whatever it is, I'm expecting to encounter you, Jesus. Because I need you. I need you, not me, you in my life. So we ask for, we believe in, and then rely on the Holy Spirit's presence and his power in our life. We rely on that, lean into it, meaning just like Moses said, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I don't want to do it if you're not going to be there. Like, I want to do it with you because you're the big deal. <laughs> Why would I want to do it apart from you? What am I doing if I'm doing it apart from you? I want to do it with you. I'm going to ask for, believe in, rely on the Holy Spirit's presence and power. Now, is that it? No, there's other things too. But it's essential in our walk with Jesus and to be the dwelling place of God and making this house a home. And I believe that when we do this as the church, the people around us will be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. Because we'll be the salt and the light. <laughs>
representatives of Jesus, ambassadors of his kingdom, just like the disciples. These men, these are uneducated, untrained men, but they knew that they had what? Been with Jesus. That's what I want to look like. One who has been with Jesus and is actively with Jesus, hopefully. They can taste and see that the Lord is good. And man, how can the enemy stop that? What's he gonna do? He's gonna hold back the glory of God? I don't think so, yo. He's gonna hold back God's presence? I don't think so. Think about this. If the local church is a dwelling place of God and the Spirit, and it's a home, and our hearts are the home of the Holy Spirit, and it's all across the globe, thousands, billions of people, the presence of God, his manifest glory and his presence, his life and his love all over the, all over the globe, expanding and growing, it's pushing back the darkness until the entire earth in all its fullness is the dwelling place of God. And that's the new heaven, the new earth. That's what Jesus wants, where the whole thing is his dwelling place. Everywhere, his manifest presence and glory in every inch, on every place, in every plain, every mountain, every valley, every city, every town. Man. And we get to be a part of that. This is why we come together. So I want to close with this. This is why we come together as the body of Christ. We don't just do the Lone Ranger thing. Because it doesn't work. That's not God's design. God's design is a building, a temple built that we are built together. We're meant to be built together. That's his design. And when we follow that blueprint, then we can become a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So we come together and we experience God in a unique way. We ask for, believe in, and rely on the Holy Spirit. So why wait? There's two or more gathered. He's right here. Let's just go, let's go right on into the presence of God. Does that sound good? Why don't we just stand to our feet? And we're just gonna pray. We're just gonna, it's simple. I don't think, God doesn't make it incredibly hard for us, um, clearly. Uh, He calls us sheep for a reason. (laughs) We need a shepherd. We need to be guided. I constantly, desperately need the presence of God in my life. Desperately, desperately need God's help desperately need his grace. Katie can attest to this. I need it. So we can go right in to the presence of God. So we're going to pray. And I just want us to, by faith, by the grace of God, by faith, just like anything else in God's kingdom, we're just going to worship. And let's just step on in. Let's just step right into the presence of God. But this is, this is the one thing that I would ask you to do. Just Ask God personally. Just right where you are, just close your eyes. If you guys want to actually play a little something to get started, um, just close your eyes right where you are and just ask God personally, just you and him. Ask God, Lord, I want to encounter you. Lord, I pray that I will, I will experience you and that you'll come. 
and just touch, touch me however you need to. If you wanna show up through your presence, through the love of God being poured out, whatever it is, Lord, I just want to go into your presence. So Father, I ask that you fill me with your presence. Fill me with your presence. And just believe in God. God hears you. He's here. Lord Jesus, right now, Father, we pray and we ask by faith. We know it's by your grace. It's not our prayer or our words or anything like that. It's by your grace. And so, Lord, we just ask, Holy Spirit, will you fill this place with your presence? Will you just meet us here, Father? Lord, we want this body of Christ, not this building, but us as the body of Christ to be a dwelling place for your spirit. And we ourselves want to be that dwelling place. So Lord, will you come and you fill this place as we worship you in Jesus name. Let's worship.
stay with us, God, that we can just be carriers of your presence and your glory into every place, every place we go. And then when we gather together, God, we get to meet you in a special way. I thank you for that. We're honored by that. We love you. Bless my brothers and sisters here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, God is good. Amen? He is so, 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 so good. Um, awesome. Well, thank you guys. Um, we're going to we're going to dive in a little bit more next week talking about that personal place of encounter with the Holy Spirit, which is going to be fun. Um, but before you guys head out today, I just want to remind you, we are right after service here in just a few minutes. We're going to gather over on the back side of the auditorium over here by the tables, and we're going to put together some family movie night bags for the neighborhood parties and get resources together for them. And so we'd love for you to hang out a little bit. It shouldn't take too long for us to do all of that. Um, and uh, and then, we'll, then you guys can go. But we'd love for you to stay and help. Love you guys. Bless you guys. And I'll see you next week.